test. One, two, three. And we're hot on the mic. Ew. Welcome back, filthy bitches. Hi, filthy hoes. We're your hosts. I'm E with a C, and I definitely love my bed more than anything. <laughs> and I'm E with a K, and my ears are trying to kill me. We're back with another episode of Unpack Filth. We back, bitch. So what are we going to talk about tonight? Uh, well, we're going to talk about this post-election hangover that we have. Yes. How long has it been? Like 12 days of just election? It feels like forever. It probably hasn't been 12 days. I mean, technically, it's been a whole year of nonsense and then 12 to 14 days of like even more bullshit. But on a brighter note, (laughs) um, I think no one really expected that it would go, in our opinion, if I can say that, it went well. Yeah, um, I definitely expected Donald Trump to win. I said as much on my Instagram stories. I felt since he was the incumbent and because our system is set up to favor Republicans, which we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. But I definitely thought he was going to win. Yeah, I thought he was going to win. And after that victory, I pretty much thought that the world was going to implode and people were going to like riot in the street. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. glad that didn't happen. I'm glad too. I didn't have... So before the 2016 election, like the night before... I had, like, this eerie calm, like, oh, this is what it must feel like when the purge is happening. And I didn't experience that again, so I should have known, like, oh, maybe don't, maybe um, Joe Biden will win. I mean, I think that you probably confused it with being a little bit more settled about what might happen. Maybe. Because... It was going to eventually get worse if he would have won, but I think that it was something that you could you expected. Mm-hmm. And so this other thing that happened was kind of like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yes, Joe Biden is the presidential-elect. Yes. And while we sound happy, how do we really feel about it? What are our feelings about Joe Biden and Kamala? Well, first of all, I am very happy that we have a female woman of color VP that gives hope to women of color like myself and younger. Um, For the most part, I am not so excited. Like, I don't feel like there is this, like, joy. I just feel like, phew, (laughs) how about you? I feel relief more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only emotion that I could think of. Mm-hmm. I felt an exhale of a breath I didn't realize I was holding. Right. Was I holding my breath? I don't know if I was holding my breath per se, but I think that I was just waiting for the shoe to drop. Like, I was just like, okay, what's going to happen? All right. Just the anticipation. And then when it went the other way, I was like, well, this was unexpected. So mm-hmm. I was more on the lines of like kind of shock and disbelief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't, I honestly didn't think enough people would vote by mail. I didn't think that um, as many places would turn blue as they did. Yeah. 
I agree. <laughs> and I knew Donald Trump would be contesting the results of the election, so this part isn't a surprise. Right. But, again, I just thought, like, everything was structurally in place and the climate was in place for him to be reelected. Yeah, I think that that is a good point, that things were in place. Therefore, um, you know, I think anything that we're talking about with this election, it was, it had, like, this undertone of, well... We knew some shit was going to happen and we knew that Donald Trump was going to act the damn fool and we kind of anticipated the American people would like pretty much follow suit with whatever he said in his camp, like the Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with that being said, I think that this election has taught us that sometimes (laughs) we're wrong. Yes. (laughs) You're wrong about this election. Mm-hmm. Which, I was very glad to be wrong about this. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad that this was a, like, you don't know everything, ho. Yeah. Moment. Yeah, because usually I'm pretty good at calling elections. Mm-hmm. And this time, it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Mm-hmm. But I kind of want to dive into settling into Kamala, um, into the Harris-Biden camp. Okay. And what we can learn about that. Mm. And I feel like the immediate objection from some people, honestly, I don't know why anyone conservative or Trump supporter would listen to us, but I feel like the immediate reaction from that camp would be, well, aren't you happy that your guy won? Or why do you need to dissect this? Or why are you pushing back on this? And... I'm not happy that we have a President Biden. Well, those people who are Trump supporters who say that, honestly, once again, just prove that they don't fucking understand anything. Because as I've been saying, Biden-Harris is not progressive enough. It never has been. They are not radical left. The fact that Republicans keep pushing this narrative that the radical left is in place is just poppycock. (laughs) Like, it's just absurd, no, you know? we're in Biden presidency, so we say malarkey. Malarkey. <laughs> very, very well. Seriously, and I think that, so, if you if you have those people who are Trump supporters that, that are saying, like, why aren't you happy, then obviously, once again, they just prove how stupid they are. Because they know that most people who voted Democrat just didn't want um, Donald Trump to be reelected and his fucking garbage fire of a cabinet to be in power so you know get rid of them bitches yeah i think they're definitely not not i think i know they're not recognizing voting as harm reduction Mm -hmm. they are the people who are like oh voting is a right not a privilege and we can't have people vote illegally blah 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 blah. yeah excuse me Mm -hmm. so they and I just saw this on um, Seth Meyers late night. They are pushing this narrative because they're doing whatever they can to delegitimize their political opponents. Republicans now don't see political opponents as legitimate. They see them as obstacles to their authoritarian power reach. Right. But setting that part aside for right now, mm-hmm. I really want us to focus on like the Biden-Harris of it all 
and why we felt like we needed to settle for them and what can we do in the future so we don't see this happen or not necessarily what can we do but what do we need to look for and what policies do we need to support so this doesn't happen again Mm. Well, in the first part of dissecting Biden-Harris, they are, and I've said this before on social media, like they're a product of the system that we have in place. The system that we have in place is one where um, we have these candidates that are elected essentially by us, but not really. Like I think that if we had a more... um, uh, inclusive pool of candidates, then Biden-Harris would not have happened in the way that it did, the way our political system is set up um, and who has access to these elections is really important. Um, in these elections, you need money, you need you know, backing if, of some sort, some type of, of support. And the candidates that we really need to be put in office are not given that same platform because of access and things like that am i right in saying that you're right in saying that i also um, made me think that you need name recognition so that goes back to the money and the access Mm -hmm. i remember in 2000 i think late 2015 i was campaigning for bernie sanders in south carolina and he simply didn't have the name recognition that hillary clinton had right so people there weren't voting and just that example of cam- canvassing for Bernie Sanders during a primary goes to your point of how we select these candidates. Mm-hmm. We have these primaries in states where they lean more conservatively anyway. So they're going to pick someone more centrist, more middle of the road if they do go Democrat. Not to mention it's more rural areas mm-hmm. as opposed to places with more urban areas. So you're only getting one slice of American life picking candidates, which is how you end up with a centrist like Joe Biden, someone who could probably be considered a Republican like in the 70s or 80s. Yeah, and that part right there where we don't really understand our political parties anymore in the same way, um, that that leans on the misinformation that we have, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode. But with the Biden-Harris, they, in an alternative world, <laughs> would never be representative of Democrats in what we know them to be, like, traditionally. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, I think the way Democrats are evolving right now, they mm-hmm. wouldn't be represent like in this alternative world. Yeah, they wouldn't be representative of the Democrats that we know now. That's what I'm saying. Yep. I mean, even in, I think maybe back in the '90s. Yeah, even back then, and and this is why in one of our previous episodes we pushed for going to the website. Um, I side with. I side with, and with that website, you can really dive into what the ideals of these political parties are, what that looks like, what their policy stances are. And I feel like with the Biden-Harris, like we look at things like their track records and everybody wants to um, dissect, I'm saying that politely, Kamala Harris's um, past, which is not great. You know, it's it's not anything that anybody shouting Black Lives Matter would like champion, mm-hmm. really. Um, but in that same vein, you know, we can acknowledge that these people are 
qualified. <laughs> and I say qualified in a way that, you know, they have the education, they have the, I hate to say experience because that's, that's besides the point. I mean, they do have the experience. It's more than a real estate con artist. I would prefer someone who has served as attorney general for their state and then served in the Senate and the Judiciary Committee. I would prefer that over someone who was a game show host and a con artist. Right, which she said. And with that being said, with these candidates that we have, the elects that we have, um, I think that's worth celebrating because they clearly did the groundwork to be in the position that they're in. Um, And I say that more so um, talking about Kamala and her accomplishments as the VP elect. So I think that I'm not, I'm not going to take that away from her. Like I'm rooting for her as a black woman, but also as someone who values education and merit, that's one of the things that I value in a candidate. And that was one of my main concerns in 2016 when Trump was being elected. I was just like, he doesn't have any like strong credentials as far as like understanding the law and respecting the law because he's not in that sphere. And I guess like his supporters would say, well, he is an outsider and that's what we need. But I'm just like, someone's so outside that don't, that doesn't even understand like the politics involved and respects it is, is dangerous and proved to be dangerous. Exactly. It's like having your hairstylist come in to fix your plumbing, but instead of that, well, not only do they not know what to do, but they take apart the whole plumbing system and just leave it there. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get on my soapbox too much, but 2016, you had Donald Trump, didn't know what the fuck he was doing, didn't care to know what he was doing. And then you had Hillary Clinton, who literally trained for the fucking job, like yeah. jumped through all the hoops, mm-hmm. did all the stupid dab dancings, all that shit. <laughs> uh, she worked her whole life to to be prepared for the moment that she was denied right for her emails <laughs> for her emails and she was too shrill and she was always too something mm-hmm. instead of people just really dissecting her policies yeah cuz that was that was the argument for me is if we can talk about the issues and what they actually are are talk or what they are saying in their platforms as far as what their issues are and their plans then we can get somewhere. But I think falling back on like their fucking personalities that we really don't understand because like it's all media driven. I think all that stuff has to has to go. It really does. Mm-hmm. But to kind of go back to Biden-Harris, the reason that I really want to talk about it is I'm worried that we're going to get complacent with this victory. We've seen it happen before with Barack Obama, the hope without action, mm-hmm. the fact that the quote unquote good guys won in this situation. Mm-hmm. But I think the difference between us and Republicans as we know them now is Republicans take this time to plot and figure out how to hold on to their power. Mm-hmm. And while the good guys are supposed to learn the lessons from their failures, the bad guys learn not only from their failures, but from their victories as well. And right. we need to 
start doing that. We need to take a serious look because this wasn't, this isn't a celebratory victory. This is a, we made it by the skin of our teeth Mm -hmm. type thing. We did the harm reduction where we could. Yeah. And we need to figure out what should we do moving forward so we are not holding with bated breath, Mm -hmm. hoping and pleading that we're not going to slide into a cruel administration again. Yeah. So what I hear you're saying is we need to become more organized and be more um, intentional with what we do next because this is a very crucial four years. I don't think... If you think about this, and we really didn't talk about it in the pre-episode combo, like the, these next four years are very crucial. It's actually going to make or break the political landscape. And the reason why I say that is because like, you have the people who wanted to go really radical with Trump and bring him in and get our economy, whatever they thought he was going to do. And then we're more of the same we settled as progressive saying like, okay, like we just got to keep it the same and let our democracy, the way it stands work, which didn't sit well with a lot of people. So they didn't vote. The people who did vote, they did the harm reduction. And so in the next four years, if it gets worse in any capacity, both sides are going to implode. One side is going to be like, well, we fucking told you that Donald Trump was the savior. And then the other side is going to be like, well, you know, the democracy that we fought for does not work. Mm -hmm. And And we fucking told you Biden was not it. Yeah. And so we're going to come to a head in four years and potentially have an even more devious candidate that I don't even think I can anticipate at this very moment because I can't even think that far. Oh, God. It'll be like if Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump met together. Yeah, I think it's going to... I think these next four years, if progressives... um, If we do not kind of get on the same accord as Republicans do, unfortunately, in this case. I don't even know if I want to call them Republicans, but I don't know. Baby authoritarianism. Okay, the baby authorities. There we go. Uh, the baby A's. <laughs> the B.A.'s. No. No, 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 no. So, too far. Yeah, you did. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, I think if we don't get on some type of organized wave, then... All of this is going to be for nothing, and then we're going to keep perpetuating the cycle that we don't even want to participate in as liberals, progressive, whatever you want to call them. Um, is that fair? That's a fair statement. I think not only do we need to be on the same wave, but we need to somehow delegate what our responsibilities are, mm-hmm. whether it's there are groups who focus on voter registration, groups who focus on climate change. But we need to be united on what our actions look like and what our intentions are. Because everything needs to be more deliberate and more intent mm-hmm. driven than kind of... It feels like things are more sentiment driven. And these are huge issues that we're facing. Mm-hmm. We're facing stronger hurricanes, stronger wildfires. Like literally the planet is on fire every time I turn on the news. Mm-hmm. And we can't just go back and forth on what... It, exactly we want to do we have to go back and forth on our actions and how strong they need to be strong or stronger yeah um which gets me into 
the next part of what we were going to talk about, um, where we take these victories, I guess, and we don't learn from them and, and organize in a way that makes sense. Like, I feel like we need to be way more streamlined. And, you know, if we have to even break into subcategories, like I feel like people who voted for Bernie Sanders kind of have a similar umbrella term, but then there were people who were saying like, well, maybe back then it was Kamala and I guess who else was running at the time? I know Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, but Elizabeth like, Warren. There's Amy Klobuchar. Mm-hmm. Um, Beto, who nobody asked for. <laughs> Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. And so like these like subcategories where we're all like, okay, like that's not it. That's not it. And then there's like Bernie and Elizabeth who was like an umbrella of a type of Democrat, socialist, whatever you want to call them. I really don't fucking know at this point. And we need to like understand like what our our stances are and and how to mobilize within those groups and either separate or come together. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like there's too much, I don't know. Factions. There's a lot of infighting. Well, not even infighting. It's just people feel like we need to go in different directions or different levels of extreme. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think your idea of delegating needs to come in Mm -hmm. where there are some things that we should probably take progress. Oh, I need a different word, but in smaller steps. And there are things that we just need to put our foot on the gas for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause for me, I think with, with trying to recenter ourselves in these four years, like we keep saying that we want to bring apart the two party system and we technically like, don't even know what that looks like you know what i mean so i think well how about she tell us what you mean oh for breaking apart the two-party system um sure we can get into that i don't know if you want to talk about that right now (laughs) okay so really quick okay really quick breaking apart the two-party system is truly having representation uh within our existing government or even reforming our whole government if I, if I had it my way, I'd burn this whole shit down and start over. But we I don't think we can do that. Like, people aren't as apt to do that. So I feel like um, breaking apart the two-party system is bringing more players in. And I would like to see a more collaborative effort of leaderships, less figureheads, and more, like, uh, collaboration. Does that make sense? That makes sense. But it'll be... The idea will be expanded on in the later part. Yeah. So we talked about this in full. So if you are a filthy and you want to unpack (laughs) what do we do next and how and what all this means, then stay tuned. So we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back. Welcome back to Unpack Filth. Political edition. Ow, ow. Actually, we're always political. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I do want to address that before we get into the next part of this mm-hmm. is um, why we're getting into politics and it's I'm leaning into what we were talking about off the pod mm-hmm. when we were saying that like we can't afford to not care about politics anymore. Right. So as I mentioned before, 
in my undergrad, I majored in politics, was one of my majors, mm-hmm. and I felt like I constantly had to defend that decision because I wasn't getting into politics anytime soon, mm-hmm. even though that was my dream. Yeah. I digress. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but what I would always say is politics is everything. Mm-hmm. And the older I get, the more I find that to be true. Politics affects where you work. It affects how you live your life. It affects how you think. Mm-hmm. It affects every single fucking thing that you do. The roads you drive on, the taxes that you pay, it affects your health insurance. Mm-hmm. Everything is affected by politics. And to say, oh, I just don't do politics or I don't like to talk about politics, that means that you're comfortable putting your head in the sand and not caring what goes on around you. Yeah. Because um, with that in our conversation, it's important for me to be surrounded by people who kind of get it. Not saying that you have to agree with me, but I do have some hard and fast rules on what I won't tolerate, but won't get into that right now. But for people who, like you said, put their head in the sand and be like, I, I don't want to talk about politics. It's just like, we don't have to talk about it. I expect to talk about politics in my friend groups and in my close relationships with um, people I date mm-hmm. because I'm not going to be with somebody who, I think you said on one episode, voted for something that would harm you. Yeah. Just active support around that. Mm-hmm. Not even just active support, but also like passive complicit- complicity. Mm-hmm. To allow this shit to happen to you. Yeah. Because I've talked to people who are like, oh, I just don't vote because it doesn't make a difference. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, literally. Um, One guy I went on a date with, um, he was saying, well, this election, I just want to, like, write somebody in. And I was like, this is not 2012 or even 2016. Like, we don't have the luxury to just write people in and, like, play, like toss up with these elections like Mm -hmm. people are literally it's life and death for some people Mm -hmm. so if you are a person who still doesn't get that politics is important then unfortunately when shit is not in a way that is good for you or anybody around you then you have to take a look at yourself and what you're willing to tolerate because I feel like if you want to put your hands up in politics and not do anything, like, then you kind of just get shit. (laughs) Yeah. Also, if you are just saying, oh, I don't vote because it doesn't matter, or I just write someone in, I don't fuck with you. Yeah, because you're a sheep lamb. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're fucking complicit. (laughs) You're sacrificial lamb. Yep. In the system that nobody wants to be a part of, but we're here anyway. Yeah. And that is why we have to settle for Biden and Harris, because not enough people are willing to do the hard work and reform the system as we should and not rely on like a 2000 year old concept of democracy that's morphed into, what is it, a republic or whatever we have. A representative democracy. A representative democracy. Thank you, political science major. (laughs) Um, Yep. So, just really quick, before we dive into our next major segment, Mm -hmm. I want to talk about some things that that we should probably learn from. I'm not really sure how to solve these problems, but these are just things that I've seen that I'm like, oh, this needs to be solved, Mm -hmm. and we need to work on this. 
because it's preventing people from exercising their right to vote. Mm-hmm. And it's keeping this system in place. It's keeping the climate that we have now to allow a McConnell Trump to rise. The fact that we cannot vote this motherfucker McConnell out is infuriating. I know. Get us together, Kentucky. Kentucky? Get your shit together, bitch. <laughs> Sick of y'all. They're on our analytics. They listen. Sick of you, bitches. Sick of y'all. But we love you. Keep streaming our episodes. Thanks. Keep, keep streaming. <laughs> um, but I still can't believe that Mitch McConnell is representing your fucking state. Like, why? Fucking, he looks like Voldemort. Voldemort was kind of sexy. Get out of here, bro. Like, <laughs> Hot takes. Hot, Hot takes. takes. <laughs> okay. Anyway. All right. So what have you seen in that potentially we need to look at and turn our attention to? So, I've seen a lot of attention on Instagram for Stacey Abrams mm-hmm. getting more people to register in Georgia, mm-hmm. which we don't deserve Stacey Abrams. Absolutely not. But it got me interested in um, seeing what else is hindering voter registration and keeping people from voting. And I know we've talked about how we see more young people not voting, mm-hmm. which is very interesting because anecdotally, a lot more people in our age range supported people like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. But I think something that we don't necessarily think about is that there is not a standardized way to register to vote. Mm. That it varies state from state and even county from county. Mm-hmm. And if you're a young person, you're statistically likely to move at least 12 times yes. in your lifetime yes and i thought that was really interesting because that's true um generally generationally we have pretty much tried to find stable income jobs etc mm-hmm. and then in this current era we kind of go where the opportunities are and so that requires us to move and be more uh, flexible right Kind of more nomadic. Like, think how many times I moved just in us moving to Massachusetts. Yeah, you did the most. (laughs) (laughs) I hate moving so much. And think of how many times I moved in South Carolina. That's true, too. Yeah. So you're a typical millennial. Mm -hmm. Constantly moving. Constantly Mm -hmm. never having a place to really sleep. No. I made that sound so sad. You did. (laughs) I didn't mean to. She's not homeless. I'm not homeless. (laughs) It's just, I feel like I haven't lived in a place longer than a year. Mm. Yeah. We'll talk about that in another episode. We will, but because there's no standardized way to register to vote, Mm -hmm. it allows people like me, or it kind of like keeps us from doing things correctly or from voting regularly or staying on top of our district. And we already suffer from millennial burnout. We already suffer from not really being able to do like the most basic of things. Mm-hmm. So you add this on top of something else mm-hmm. like, that we have to figure out to do, how to figure it out in our work schedule, how to like incorporate this into this grind hu- culture mentality that we have Mm -hmm. and it just feels like too much it feels like it can't be done so either you figure out a way to vote absentee Mm -hmm. or you just don't vote yeah and then people get to blame 
young people for not voting mm. when instead the system is like set up so it's harder for us to vote. Plus, you have election day, which people point out, well, it's on a weekday. It's during these hours, most people have to work. Mm-hmm. And people in our age range, especially women of color, mm-hmm. can't really afford to take the time off. Right. Just statistically speaking. Yeah, because even if your employer, like a few of my employers up here, um, were saying, like, take the time to go out and vote. Like, that's very important. And, I mean, to go to work, <laughs> do all you do. Mm-hmm. Get ready for work, get into work, and then take time off to vote. Get in your car. Some places you can walk, I guess, but in your car, go vote, stand in line. And with these um, these issues with the voting polls how it was taking hours for some people to vote. I can't imagine like trying to go vote on your lunch break, which some people I saw on social media on Facebook were saying that, you know, it took less than 30 minutes to an hour or whatever mm-hmm. to vote. But some people who live in these voter suppression areas, it takes them five or six hours to vote. Yeah, I saw um, last week tonight and they were focusing on that topic. Mm-hmm. And it took this guy about 10 hours that's horrible. Like, he showed up, I think, at maybe 10, 11, sometime, like, early-ish in the morning. hmm And, oh, it was more than 10 hours then because it was 1 o'clock in the morning and he was still in line waiting to vote. And someone else in that line said, do you remember we came here yesterday to vote? I mean, so with that, why is it taking them so long? Like, why are the, they standing in line for hours? Do we know that? We don't know that. We can speculate on some things. Like, there might be um, ID issues. I know for someone like me, when I go to vote, I have ID issues because my license has one more name than my voter registration card. So, uh. they're like, oh, we can't find you, so you can't vote here. And da, 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 da. So, I have to be like, no, this is my legal name, but my voter registration, which is also my legal name, yeah. has this. Um, so there could be issues like that, but mm. I'm not sure what other issues there are. Yeah. Cause the process that I've encountered is you go to the place, you stand in line in South Carolina voting in person. They have your name on a list in our district. Um, they check it off and that's where you were saying that you had run into problems. Um, do you bring multiple forms of ID? Do you... I mean, I have no idea how you would, like, go get around that. Um, I didn't even have to bring multiple forms of ID. Mm-hmm. But then again, you'd have to know that you're going to encounter that problem. Right. Especially if the first-time voter. So that's really interesting um, with that. And I guess what else could be issues at the polling stations? Um, I don't know if this is at the polling station, but I know for absentee ballots, there are signature issues. Oh, so yes. You have to sign your name exactly as it is on your driver's license. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for a whole generation of Gen Zers that can't write in cursive, what the fuck are they supposed to do? Scrawl. <laughs> uh, or TikTok dance onto their ballot. Literally. So that's also really interesting because when I voted absentee, I had to send an email, request for my ballot, get it, send it back in the mail. I So since I send my rent every month, I 
just so happen to have stamps. But I know so many of us don't really use traditional mailing so to find time to go get a stamp. We live in Boston, so it's easier to just walk down the street to the post office. But I know back at home in South Carolina, like you had to get in your car to go to the post office. Mm-hmm. That's whacking itself. And you had to go when the post office is open. Mm-hmm. And you had to go either before work or during your lunch break because the post office closed before you get out of work. Yeah, and if you go during your lunch break, people who are at the post office for their work, they also go on lunch. Mm-hmm. So then the lines are longer because there's like one or two people working. Mm-hmm. So all these issues that compound with like trying to vote. So, And this is just trying to vote. We're not even talking about like the other things mm-hmm. that need to be addressed. But we're just talking like very surface level mm-hmm. what should we address and i think like the issue of voter registration and voting by mail mm-hmm. that's something that we need to look at seriously because we have not fully embraced that everyone has the right to vote in theory everyone has the right to vote but there are so many ways that the system disenfranchises people that your vote is not guaranteed yeah because we could have done all that with the absentee and there's a way to check your vote online but you could do all that and they could still throw your vote out Mm -hmm. and then you'd have to like challenge it and be like no my vote counts blah 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 and like we already don't want to vote so to go back and have and be like you need to count my vote and jump all these hoops it's just ridiculous yeah i mean i personally like I'm neither history nor I'm like, oh my God, so many people ensured that I had the right to vote, blah, blah, blah. I don't have that moment all the time, but sometimes I like have that reflection. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I would have to contest my vote and like say that it counts, it just feels like a slap in the face to all those people who came before me. Yeah. It's like the new reading test. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. So many, fu- it aggravates me how many fucking hoops that we have to jump through just to be able to vote. Mm-hmm. by mail not and like i said we're not even touching on like voting in person mm-hmm. or we're not getting in depth with this mm-hmm. it's just the fact that our voting system has not caught up to our current way of life mm-hmm. and it hasn't caught up to our generation's challenges it hasn't done anything to modify the way that we vote or to make it easier for people to vote and honestly that's what republicans want is something that seems like a hassle Mm. but i feel like that's where we're lacking as progressives i think it's just our millennial burnout because like i said earlier like some of this is just like too much Mm -hmm. and that's what capitalism is designed to make you do like just feel like an automaton and not really participate yeah that's why i'm saying if you have the time you can definitely do that Mm -hmm. um it being winter and the sun setting at four o'clock, <laughs> I don't have the fucking energy. Yeah. But I know it's a priority I need to make. Mm-hmm. Or at least, like, I find myself being more of the bring awareness to other people and, like, this is what y'all need to be fucking paying attention to. Mm-hmm. And then other people act on that behalf. Mm-hmm. But right now, I'm like, I don't have the mental energy. Yeah. Like, I just want to go to sleep literally all the time mm-hmm. but honestly so why i feel like there has to be a way to mobilize and 
feel energized in that mobility. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there has to be a way to reach people and, like, resonate with them to where they want to get up and do something. I feel like it can't be through fear, though. Because fear usually leads to rage, and rage leads to burnout. And burnout leads to nothing. Yeah. Hmm. I think, and it sounds really corny, I think the greatest fear is just, like, genuinely wanting to make a difference and genuinely wanting to help communities around you. Mm-hmm. It sounds corny as fuck. That drive will keep you going. Yeah, and I think for me... The possibility of the fact, well, okay. The fact that we have Kamala Harris in the door means that the door is now open. (laughs) And so that fuels me to get more representation and give other people a chance to see what they can do. And I just don't understand, like, I feel like we're so creative and so... I don't know, multi-talented. I feel like for Americans, there's no reason why we can't have better and more representation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of goes in line with what you usually say. For a country that's supposed to be so forward-thinking, for a country that's supposed to be one of the wealthiest countries in the world, we are so fucking backwards. Yeah, and does it make sense? And I feel like we're letting these, like, Hills have eyes, motherfuckers. Like, rule the roost. You've never seen hills. I have not. The hills have eyes is actually pretty terrifying. Oh. So it's basically, like, these mountain people who are... I haven't seen it in a long time, so if you've seen it, filthies and just ignore me. Send it to me so I can, like, figure it out. Yeah, but essentially, it's, like, mountain people who I think they got, like, genetic uh, disorders because of the pollution in their village and they all like are scary as shit yeah it's wild also people from kentucky i was joking i ain't joking y'all better get your shit together because <laughs> i don't got time mr o'connell is like a little frog bitch like what the fuck is up with this and this is the seventh term <sighs> yeah i watched him like seven times oh yeah we need term limits that's what you said that is what i said but we'll get to that later because mm-hmm. I think what we need to pivot to now is mm-hmm. the fact that Donald motherfucking Trump mm. has not conceded. And my question is, does it matter at this point? So I was under the impression that it didn't matter. But you're telling me something else, political analyst. <laughs> so I feel like I also feel like it doesn't fucking matter because eventually they will escort him out because after January 20th, when they swear to Joe Biden, in, he will be the president of the United States. Donald Trump will be a trespasser. But I see what Donald Trump is trying to do, especially with all these lawsuits, as flimsy as they are, is to stall the election results from being certified. And basically the state electors that are pro-Trump anyway will be like, well, no. The results aren't certified, so I guess we'll just vote for Trump. I think the other thing we need to keep in mind with Donald Trump not conceding and having people like the Attorney General William Barr investigate claims of voter fraud is our tax dollars are fueling this dumbass shit. Exactly. Which is like what progressives keep talking about. Our tax dollars keep going to fucking 
bullshit when it could be going to our shitty education that needs reform. It could be going to our roads. It could be fucking going to goddamn anything else. Like, I mean, fucking healthcare. Healthcare, honestly. Where are you going to get the money from this dumbass investigation of voter fraud that is non-existent? Did you know that they've only found nine cases of voter fraud? Like, so in 2016 when Donald Trump was like, oh, there's widespread voter fraud. They hired... um, Chris Kobach, I think his name was. He mm-hmm. was the former governor of um, Kansas. And they investigated this. And they were like, oh, there's millions of cases. And there were nine fucking cases. Nine. Honestly, it's just like we were, we were just saying how millennials are just burned out and lazy. Why the fuck do you think that we have the energy to commit voter fraud? And like, honestly... Boomers can't work technology. It has to be us. We don't fucking care that. Like, we care. But we don't have the energy to, like, commit voter fraud and use, like, dead people's socials or whatever the fuck they're saying. High risk, low stakes crime. It's a high risk, low stakes crime. That's a perfect example. Of- like, if I was going to create a crime, it would be low low risk. And why the high fuck? Stakes. If we're committing voter fraud, why the fuck is the fucking Congress and the House and the Senate like yeah, we all of a sudden legit. We committed voter fraud, but still kept Mitch McConnell. I would have fucking voted Mitch McConnell out all day fucking long and kept Trump. As stupid as that sounds, or Lindsey Graham, like I like fuck all those bitches. Like I don't understand these Trump bitches. And then, <sighs> don't get me started. I'm trying to have a civil conversation about like what we should do next. But honestly, I need these fucking Trumpers to get fucking shipped off to mars like i can't stand it well the other part of it too is not only are our tax dollars getting fueled for this our tax dollars are getting fueled for these press conferences full of lies that are meant to sow disinformation about the election mm-hmm. so people are now not trusting our election system which fine don't trust the electoral college all day long that's fine. I get that. I can get to that. Yeah. But it's when people start mistrusting the way the ballots are being counted, the way it's being reported, that it's like, ah, oh, this is how coups and dictatorships start. We're seeing this happen. Yeah. It's like a weird cousin of confirmation bias. Yeah. So that's, that's why I think like the fact that he hasn't conceded matters. Plus, Joe Biden, at this point, should start being looped into the presidential briefs. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't been because Donald Trump has not conceded yet. And he's not accepting it. Mm. He's vetting new people for political hires, which you have fucking five weeks left, dude. He's having people plan a 2021 budget to be submitted in February. Mike Pompeo said to a reporter... When asked, oh, do you think we're going to have a peaceful transition to power? He said, oh, yeah, we're going to have a peaceful transition to a second Trump term. So this is our reality right now. I don't care who you are. Why does this, why is them (laughs) pretty much like outside of reality not bother more and more Trump supporters? Like as, I mean... Yeah, we get it. Like, you don't want your guy to lose. But, like, the delusion is terrifying. It is. And also, 
y'all spent eight years bitching about how Barack Obama was violating the Constitution. This man is literally flat out violating the fucking Constitution and all of our democratic traditions Mm -hmm. and doing mental gymnastics to support him. It's insanity. When the liberals are pretty much pushing for our Constitution to be upheld in the most... (laughs) pristine and respectful way possible that you know something's fucked up like you have to think about it and it's just my same logic when i'm like well if your whole political party has like nazis sprinkled in there with like you know i don't know fucking racists that are just lynching people like you really have to kind of just take a look at the company you keep i'm just saying take a hard look just take a hard look i mean we already roasted kamala and What's his fucking name? Joe. Joe. So I just don't really understand what's what's happening with Trump supporters and their logic. It's really frightening. Um, and I had to delete people. Yeah. So I've seen. So I've seen socially what it's done to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Lil Wayne's girlfriend dumped him because he was a Trump supporter. She took him back though. What? Damn yeah. it, Denise. I think so. I think that's what happened, that she took him back after the election was over. But, Denise, you were you no. were on the right side of the of history. You were. Love isn't enough, girl. It definitely isn't. And, you know, I'm pretty sure if I'm... What do you think? I don't know if Lil Wayne has enough swag with his, like, mono dread. No. He does not. <laughs> He's like a Spencer's kid that never grew up. Oh, my gosh. He is. Dusty ass vans. <laughs> I don't know. I'm surprised he doesn't have a chain wallet. <sighs> he probably wants one. We're so whack. Anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, so socially with people, I mean, people I've known for years, 10 plus years, like 15 even, getting rid of those people and like saying, Drawing a line in the sand and saying, okay, we need to, like, mobilize my people, which are, like, the liberals of the world, (laughs) and get our shit together. And, unfortunately, you have to kind of stand in your convictions, Mm -hmm. which is scary, don't you think? Yes and no. (laughs) Uh, Yes and no. Mm-hmm. I think it can be, it can feel scary and it can be kind of guilt wracking mm-hmm. to delete people that you've known to like say you're not part of my life anymore. Yeah. But at the same time, again, you voted for someone who is actually causing harm not only to people like me, but causing harm to children. Like there are still children being separated. From their parents. Have no idea where their parents are. There are people in ICE detention centers for years. um, There are stories of women getting unwanted hysterectomies. Yeah, that one's rough. Yeah, it's just all kinds of cruelty being inflicted. And you voted for that. So, I don't want nothing to do with you. You can go fuck yourself. Well, I guess what I meant with the, like, it's kind of scary is... No one wants to potentially, like, have, like, a hard and fast, like, I will not associate with you at all and your shit. 
Like, it kind of feels like you're being a dick. Well, because we're used to the idea that people deserve second chances and Mm -hmm. there's always redemption. And while I can see that, I think after a certain point, you just are who you are. Yeah. I just feel like as a woman of color, though, like, we're... Because we were just talking about the cult of Trump. That's true. We are conditioned, there we Mm -hmm. go, to kind of function in abnormality and like sometimes I'm I'm interacting with people and they'll say some like fucked up shit and normally I'm just like oh yeah okay just because I don't want to confront it yeah we're definitely trained to code switch mm -hmm. and to operate in this world of like default whiteness yeah default whiteness usually means we have to be very nice and superficial yeah and it can be scary to break out of that mold and to just be like, I don't fuck with you. Yeah. I want nothing to do with you. So I think it's scary to break out of that code switching, but mm-hmm. I think once you do it, it'll stop being scary. That's true. Because it's easy to like say I don't fuck with you because it's on a personal level. Like, But like we said, politics should be more personal and it should take more of a center in our lives because it just dictates how our lives are and it dictates people who are in power pardoning people who shoot unsuspecting citizens in their bedroom Mm -hmm. while they're sleeping Mm -hmm. so i think that we have to be brave in that sense of just saying like it's okay to say like fuck you asshole who voted for the cheeto right and You know, I was starting to think, too, like, other scenarios where it feels uncomfortable and scary to kind of draw your boundaries Mm -hmm. as to who you will and won't associate with. Mm -hmm. Coworkers, in particular, where you have these surface relationships and you kind of make your alliances Mm -hmm. just to get through the day, it can be hard once... Like, I remember I had a co-worker... I had two work coworkers, actually, who were like, oh, yeah, I voted for Trump the first time. I was like, what the fuck were you thinking? Yeah. And did you tell them that like to their face? Yeah. See, I can't and, do that yet. And it flew out of my mouth. I couldn't stop it. But again, like once you do it the first time, it gets easier every time. Yeah. But the guy who said he voted for Trump, he's like, well, nothing bad's happened to me yet. And the woman who's also a lesbian. So I was like, seriously, what were you fucking thinking? Mm hmm. Well, I just didn't like Hillary Clinton and we needed a change and da 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 da. And I said, How has that change working out for you? Ah, well, it's not going great. And, you know, he's not being super present, like all this kind of stuff. And I just kind of, I just kind of, kind of laid out like, Donald Trump is a con artist. Mm-hmm. He does, he only cares about himself. Right. And he is harming other communities. If you continue to support him, you are continuing to support this type of harm. Exactly. And when we're talking about shifting from what we do next, that's the type of change that we should be pushing for within ourselves of doing that hard, like, you got to call people out, even when it's uncomfortable. And that is... It's necessary. It's necessary because 
this whole coasting of, of like, oh, we don't talk about public or politics in in work environments or like in our personal relationships, like that has done nothing for us but like allow insidious racism and misogyny to take hold. And so that's why I think like it, it's really important that like people like me who kind of struggle with that and have that like reflex of like, okay, shy away from this conversation, like change the subject, do something else. Mm-hmm. Like we have to let our perspectives be known because white people are walking around here thinking that they're, it's okay to vote for Donald Trump and they're least affected because they are. Right. And I think we have a little bit more liberty to do that now. Mm-hmm. Where the gen- even the generation before us couldn't express that same sentiment. Like, what the fuck are you doing voting for Ronald Reagan? Yeah. Like, that was... <gasps> Mm-hmm. Clutch pearls. Exactly. Because it was kind of believed like whatever happens in the voter booth is private. Mm-hmm. It's between a man and his God. Yeah. And that whole sentiment of you don't even talk about who you vote for. Because I was kind of on that wave too a little bit, even in this current election of it's kind of rude to ask people who you vote for, but that's kind of an old school way of thinking. Because um, in, okay, I still kind of struggle with it, obviously. And I'm trying to unpack this. So even me saying that, of saying like, hey, like, who'd you vote for? And my immediate thing is just like, it's none of your fucking business. Right? But it's hard because it, it isn't my business. But it, uh, in this current election, it, it affected so many people. So like, I need to know who you voted for. Mm-hmm. So I know if I fuck with you or not. Right. I think the shift in mentality that needs to happen, like this is part of the change that we were talking about earlier. The shift in mentality that needs to happen is... You cannot just vote for yourself anymore. Politics is not a private thing. It's a very public thing. Mm-hmm. Because it affects public life. And it also affects private life. Mm-hmm. And our mistake was thinking it is all private. Yeah. And that it is all about the nuclear family that we have. When it's not. I'm marinating on that. <sighs> I feel like I'm trying to grow in this episode. Because it's like, I don't know, like... Politics has always been something that I wanted so badly to understand, but it was very overwhelming. And then you had to figure out your side and like, it's a process of come of going from that old way of thinking of like, you don't really talk about politics. And when you don't talk about politics, you don't really know what your stances are on things. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I don't know. I was fucked up for so long. That's why you talk about it all the time and you even study it in school. <laughs> yeah. And I'm grateful that you did that because my thing is, we'll move into this part mm-hmm. of like revolution. I think that E with a C should be part of local government and eventually go into Congress. And that was my dream. I wanted to go in Congress and then rule the judicial. It just makes so much sense. For me personally. (laughs) (laughs) But I want this for you. I kind of want... I've like fallen in and out of it. I kind of want it to lean into your power. Because maybe the reason why you've been having so many transitions lately is because you probably need to like get a fire lit under you that you need to be in like politics for real. And that could be true because, like I was telling you earlier, I want to be part of the change in the South. Mm -hmm. I think the South has so much potential to be a safe haven 
for black and brown people. And I'm tired of seeing it on the sidelines. I'm tired of seeing it on the sidelines and watching people shit on the South and watching white people foam at the mouth saying, like, this is, like, Trump territory or whatever the fuck they say mm-hmm. and flying their Confederate flags. I'm tired of it. Yeah. And I want to change it for the better. You don't want to hand the South over to them white people. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, They've had it and fucked it up. I mean, it's just like what you said. Like, I love parts of the South. Like, the way of life down there is... It has its... It has its... It has its issues. But I love the way that people are in sense in their communities. I like that. And so I think more education needs to be brought down there. And you're just the one to do it. Oh. Yep. I believe in you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But while we're on this topic, okay, because we talked about this a little bit um, before we started recording, if you could change the way that we did government, if he, it was a perfect vision of the way we ran things, what would it look like for you? Okay. For me, if I were to have the perfect government, well, maybe not perfect because I have flaws in my thinking, I think. But I, one, I keep pushing this representation thing. So I feel like with the whole misinformation thing and the figurehead that people think of when they think of the president and the leader of the free world, I think that could be shifted into a more um, council style um, position. So instead of just the state representation and then the judiciary representation and then the president i think that it should be more like groups in every and every how is it house not house every facet of government yeah yeah branch every branch of government exactly oh god edit all that out i will thanks okay <laughs> i will <laughs> so i think there should be council like representation in the different branches of government and with that I think that the issues will be brought to the forefront and that there would need to be more collaboration and a plan to the things that we do. On the flip side of that, I did say earlier that I think we should vote more and have the people have an active um, voice in what policies are in place. And so for me, I haven't really fleshed it out yet. You kind of made my brain start churning a little bit but I think like the premise for me is I I would like more centered around the fact of what the things that we're doing that affect our daily lives that plan instead of like focusing on the people that are enacting the plan Hmm. if that makes sense yeah okay tried my best what about you (laughs) So, I haven't really thought about it in terms of, like, what the actual government would look like. I've thought about um, what needs to change. I think we need to get rid of this winner-take-all system and move towards a ranked-choice system. Mm -hmm. It would kind of be like a March Madness where you pick your top three and you would figure out, like, which percentage of that vote would be first place, second place, like, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Again, it's like... March Madness brackets that I'm thinking of. But 
for me, when I talk about representation in the government and how I want that to look, I think it needs to be like a twofold thing of where we get rid of this gerrymandered, gerrymandered districts. If we have people draw districts, it cannot be politicians within that state. Okay. Because they're the ones who are like drawing these districts in such weird ways where it benefits mostly Republicans. Um, it, the districts need to make more sense. Like, there's a district, there are some districts that I'm thinking of in North Carolina before they abolished this map, and they would just be, like, little slivers of squiggly lines, Mm -hmm. and those would be a Republican district. So, more Republicans were getting, like, seated in those positions. So, do a gerrymandering. Have a objective third party draw out the district maps, and that's how you figure out the representatives and who's voting for what. Another issue that I recently started diving into is the issue of the suburbs. And mm-hmm. is this still recording us? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what's going on with the suburbs? Obviously, like people know that the retail malls are dying. Yeah. And that it's just not a sustainable way of life. There's not as much walkability. There's not as much to do. So people are trying to revitalize the suburbs. And I think that involves repurposing these malls that have died out into affordable housing, low-income housing, and bringing more people in that way. You have to turn the suburbs into many cities and... By that way, you'll have more representation within the government because those people will go to vote. Okay. That's an interesting concept. Well, when we think about the suburbs, we think of like, you know, white picket fences, very quiet, quote unquote safe, but we also think of them as very white. Mm-hmm. And they were made to like be a shelter for white flight. So if we make things more walkable, mm-hmm. we include more affordable housing, we're attracting, like, millennials, and we're attracting people of color. We're attracting more diverse ways of life. So you think, if I hear you correctly, if we re-envision communities and um, where people are actively living, then that would influence our politics. It would influence our representation. Representation. Okay, I like that idea. Mm, yes. Because the thing with with the politics, and I know we're getting long, but the thing with politics that we'd have to re-envision is um, the way that we do things is in order to further advance the people already there. Mm-hmm. And so... We, I feel like we should, this is so radical. I feel like we should have to redo our system of government like every like 50 to 100 years. Maybe every 100 years. I I can see that. Yeah, like every 100 years, America should be like, all right, it's our birthday or our centennial or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to redo this whole shit to like be more modern and... Like I said, take those old ways of thinking that didn't work. Because that's what's rooted in republicanism. Like, they love that tradition and 
and that culture like they're they try to uphold the culture more than they are able to talk about like what's actually harming us right and i mean we touched on this earlier but part of modernizing things would be to figure out like what is no longer serving us Mm -hmm. for example i am now pro term limits for supreme court and congress yeah people get stale and people are put into the Supreme Court as pawns. I'm looking at you, Amy Comey Barrett. Mm-hmm. And people are just there to line their own pockets. Like fucking Mitch McConnell. Yeah. And if we limit these people and... <sighs> also, when we limit these people, we have to also think that... I think the saddest thing about RBG is that she was able to work on the Supreme Court for as long as she did because, like, her term was for life. Right. And so, like, had we said 15 to 20 years ago, like, your time is done, (laughs) she could have, like, lived her life. (laughs) She could have just retired in fucking peace. That's all I wanted for her. Yeah. Just sit in a chair and maybe watch a meadow with some buddies. I don't know what she liked to do. Yeah. So I felt like she felt obligated because her term was set to be for life. And so she's like, I must, you know, so I think she might have might have internalized it to work for life. Maybe. And I think she also saw the way the court was going. It was like, ah, fuck, I have to work for life now. Exactly. And I think that that in on the flip side of it is kind of sad. Mm-hmm. So that's all I wanted for. Yes. All right. Anything else? I don't have anything for else us right now but if you enjoyed this episode and you want us to flesh out any further ideas just email us at unpackfilth at gmail.com mm-hmm. you can follow me mendacity and tricks on instagram where you can find my instagram handle and the unpackfilth instagram bio mm-hmm. you can follow e with a c at nice and airy 21 e with a k e with a k my bad it's okay we're recording this kind of late we're spoiling the magic with that but <laughs> it's okay <laughs> You can follow me at Nice and Airy 21. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back with a new episode for y'all next week. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Hold on. I've given as much as RBG has given. I know.